Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm your moderator, and with me this week is birthday boy and hamburger... Specialist. Connoisseur. Connoisseur. I'm just like, hungry for hamburgers. Dan <laughs> Hamburger. Hamburger. Thank you. Co-presidente and assumedly equally hungry for hamburgers, Scott Reed. Yeah. Having hamburgers for dinner. Yeah. And hasn't had a milkshake in 40 years, associate <laughs> pastor Muffin <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> Too busy eating muffins. Mm, he's eating muffins. I have a milkshake almost every day. Do you? <laughs> well, those protein like a, kind. Uh, that's protein. not even close to the same thing, no. Bill. <laughs> I'm okay. go to Steak and Shake right now. It'll Whatever be gets you through. Happy though. hour for shakes. Oh, right now? Yeah. All right. Well, two to make, five. Let's make it fast. This podcast boys. is adjourned. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, for our closing segment this Take week, it's time. <laughs> Dan, will you uh, pray to close us? <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you. It's gorgeous outside. We get the joy of being together. Lord, would you guide our conversation? May things come to the surface that need being talked about and to be heard. Lord, we bless our listeners as they listen along and engage with this content. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. 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 That'd be really funny if we just like, we'll just cut out like huge sections of the show so that we can go and the listeners are like, well, take me with you. <laughs> we take these along with us. Yes. We can record while we're eating. Mm, our the mics. beauty of recording is that we can say, oh, I'm going to go get some milkshakes. We'll be right back. And, and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> with milkshakes. They're delicious. Scott. <laughs> Let's do right. some would you rather. You know what time it is. Hey, we're about to wrap up, but before we do. <laughs> before we do, we'll just do the would you rather. Well, yeah, and then won't. before we wrap up, we'll exactly. just do the topic of the week real yeah, quick. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what time it is. It's would you rather Toastmasters. <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying this so much. Um, these ones are. It's not fair. You don't have to argue for well, I came toilet up with, paper. I came up with a brilliant idea. Uh, that's <laughs> fair. Well, you paper. got a good idea. You don't have to do any of the work. That is so untrue. <laughs> well, it's true in this case. That really wasn't the bad one. The bad one was arguing for coughing in someone's face. <laughs> I mean, that to be fair, really, you didn't really argue for it. I did, it, it you kind of gave up. Inconscionable. <laughs> Unconscionable. All right. So we got three kind of weird ones this time. So yeah. I'm interested to see what happens. Good. Good. Um, uh, <laughs> kind of have... weird. What were those other things? Was, they were totally normal. Well, those gonna... JV stuff. <laughs> those, I feel like those were to argue for, like, anyway. Right. Maybe you'll see what I mean yeah, in a okay. second. So, Dan, you're arguing for... Um, at night, walking 10 miles on the shoulder of a loud and busy highway in mm. peak traffic hours mm. at, at night. Okay. Okay. <laughs> at night in peak traffic hours. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that's weird. And Bill, uh, you're arguing for, I presume also at night, walking 15 miles on a dark, creepy country road. Oh. So, Max, your decision is, would you rather at night walk 10 miles on the shoulder of a loud and busy highway in peak traffic hours, argued by Dan, or walk 15 miles on a dark, creepy country road? Uh, Dan, you're up first. Oh, okay. Usually Max chooses who goes first. He yeah. Oh, the heck. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, Max, you can Just for that, first. Dan, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like if you're trapped on the side of a road walking, you want to be where people are. In case something happens to you. Now, of course, the shoulder of a road gives you ample opportunity. You're not right on top of those cars that are going by. You are at a distance. That's why there's a shoulder. It protects you. And if you, I'm assuming you're walking for a reason to get somewhere. And, man, in case you fall and you hurt yourself or you find yourself in need of a snack, man, you're right there by other drivers who may hopefully stop for you if you need a hand. Give you a snack. Exactly. Give you a snack. Who doesn't need a snack? Ten miles of traffic is crazy. That'll go by in a jiffy. It's like, <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. Probably because you're going to run over. Uh, don't, just don't stick to the far side of the shoulder closest to the road. All right, all right, all right. Bill. Well, I've done what Dan has done. What? Not for 10 miles. I was scared to death. My car broke down in the express lanes of um, probably the Dan Ryan Oh, well, baby, nobody helps you. You you don't get help anywhere. <laughs> I had to run across six lanes of traffic to a gas station. This is way before cell phones. Call, and then city of Chicago had these, like, roving tow trucks, and a guy came and picked me up, took me to, like, an Amco station to get a new transmission. Oh, man, it, it was a nail biter being out there. So <clears throat> I don't want to do what Dan does. I much prefer walking on a lonely road in the dark because 
nobody's going to run me over out there very easily. There's, mm. there's no cars out there. And psh, as long as you got the moon, so what? You know, walk on the road. It's a nice night. Yeah. Can I have a rebuttal? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, good. He, he did mention you by name, so I do think you get 30 seconds. <laughs> I lived in a place like that, a very rural area. People are crazy drivers, especially at night. Mm. So That's true. It's not a guarantee of safety. Uh, I think I'm going to go uh, with Dan. I'm going to go with walking Ooh. along the... <laughs> Well, I just, I, I'm just saying I, in my life, I've seen one person drive on the shoulder, but I'm a little worried about going around those blind corners and it's dark and somebody takes a wide angle. It's 15 miles. I wish I'd only seen one person drive on a shoulder. What about bears? <laughs> you know, what about bats? What about Battlestar Galactica? Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> thinking the same thing. All right. What about Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> An original uh, joke by Scott Reed. Thank you, thank you. I should write a show. Uh, <laughs> Listeners, if you could think of what that show should be called, you can write in the podcast. All right. Um, next up, uh, Max, you're mm. going to be arguing for being someone really short whose last name is Short. <laughs> Perfect. And Bill, you're arguing for being someone overweight whose last name is Skinny. Oh. I told you they were weird. That's weird. <laughs> I know. Who's going first? So Dan, then? you are deciding between being someone really short okay. whose last name is Short. So I guess you'd be, I guess the implication is you'd be called Mr. Short. Yeah. Mr. Short. Or it says Mr. Skinny. It's like Martin Short, the actor. <laughs> when you put it like that, right. it makes more sense. <laughs> or be someone overweight whose last name is Skinny. All right. And you can decide who you'd like are to Are you going to be able to have a, a crack at this too? Maybe someday. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Today's your lucky day. I'll read it. All right, I'm ready. Who's going to go first? How about Bill? Well, I, I like the idea of being Mr. Skinny, even if I'm overweight, because I can always lose weight, but I can't make myself get taller. Hmm. Now without some kind of torture device. Well, I think that's fair. Short, that's sweet, and to the short, point. sweet, and to the point. Speaking of short, <laughs> uh, have you ever... <laughs> I can't think of a, of, of a better life than to have your name be descriptive of you. People see what they see is what they get. They're reading roll call in elementary school. They say, Dan Short. And you say, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Man. I can't choose between them. I'm thinking of a number between one and 100. What, what? is it? <laughs> Bill. One and a thousand. He's calling an audible. 47. 48. <laughs> Max is closer to 79. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> Classic. Right. Couldn't choose. It was too, they were equally good. Ooh, incredible. All right. And Bill, you're the judge this time. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's turn this on his head a little bit. Instead of, instead of giving the, the obvious choice to Dan in terms of what he would normally argue for. Mm. Um, Dan, you're arguing for trusting no one. <laughs> oh, man. And Max, you're arguing for trusting everyone. Perfect. <laughs> man, you really did flip the script on this. <laughs> I know. Well, because it it's trust everyone or trust no one, so I was just going to kind of do it. Sure. You know, all right. As they're, Perfect. As they're presented, but I, I was like, you know what? all the marbles. Let's, let's switch it around. All right, Max, you're first. All right. Look, I don't know if you've ever been slapped in the face at your own wedding, because I certainly haven't, but I've slapped someone at the face in, at their own wedding. I think, ultimately, all of the suffering that we experience... You are arguing for trusting everyone. I just oh, want to make, sure <laughs> <laughs> make sure that was clear. Whoops. Well, I don't know if you've ever been slapped in the face at your own wedding, but I, I, I can't. I think the joy of the human experience comes from the connections we form with other people <laughs> by slapping each other in the face. I'll get to that, Dan. A little less noise there. When I was a child, I'm done. I think that's all I got. All, all right. right, Dan, take it away. Wow, I'm, Dan, I'm very confused. Go ahead, Dan. You're arguing for trusting I, I, I no one. I think it's important right. to be very cautious because. Trust is something that's earned. And you really want to get to know someone before you really... They, they have to earn that trust with you, and, and likewise, you with them. And so it really is about building a relationship, getting to know each other. But in your world, you would never get to that point. And you'd never... <laughs> well. you got to earn my trust, and you never will. <laughs> and then see where it goes. 
<laughs> Bill, I think your choice is I have made my decision. Yes. Dan. started. <laughs> <laughs> I was this close. <laughs> I was on the cusp of I didn't even know what you were arguing. <laughs> Apparently, didn't <laughs> did <laughs> For the first half. Woo. <laughs> uh, oh, well, man. congratulations, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Scott. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you very much for reading. I mean, ringing the <laughs> reading listener, the listener bell the listener mail bell <laughs> listeners if you'd like to be part of the show you can send questions would you rather trivia quizzes and mm. listener mail bells to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org just like leah did leah writes what will it look like to be able to spend time with god slash jesus in heaven will we be able to go on walks with him sit beside him and talk or to put it another way what does revelation 21 3 look like in heaven how will god be with us at all times Revelation 21, uh, the section that she's referencing, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away Every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I wish I knew exactly how it was going to look. <laughs> that would be really cool. But one thing that pops to mind immediately is God's all, his, his nature and his character doesn't change. And if he's omnipresent now, hmm. he's going to be able to be everywhere at the same time then and in heaven and with all of us at the same time there as well, which kind of boggles your mind you see like bill walking down the street in heaven with god you're walking with god like what yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it kind of is like mind-boggling a little bit mm -hmm. like how can someone be in so many places at once but that's who god is well and god is spirit mm -hmm. so it's not like he's not spirit when he goes to heaven mm -hmm. so he is omnipresent even in heaven i i tell you what <clears throat> i'm looking forward to heaven but if heaven is nothing more than Jesus standing on a patch of dirt, as long as I get to see Jesus, I mm. am thrilled. Mm. Why? Because I just really want to see him. I, I'm just so amazed by who he is as a person. That would be, that will be the greatest day of my life just to see him. Mm. And that is ultimately why we're saved, right? We're, we're not just saved to, to keep us from hell but by i mean by definition we kind of are because we're saved to be with god mm -hmm. forever right to be in relationship with him mm -hmm. forever and hell then being the absence of of god and you know like if we we're all up to people and had control over god in that sense of like heaven was like it'd be like well you get an audience with jesus for like you know three minutes you got to pay like a million dollars to get like that's a little bit of time a couple questions with him and then well you got to get to the back of the line mm -hmm. it's like we get that just unfettered access mm. to Jesus, which is exciting. I think we will be able to ask him questions. And mm. I'm hopeful to be able to to see more of creation, to see the things that he made, the renewed creation, see the stars and the galaxies and things I've always wanted to see, but never obviously I'm limited mm. as a human to be able to do that sure. by time and space. But I think there's also an aspect of, because I know people, kids sometimes bring this up and adults too, of like, man, if heaven is all just worshiping Jesus, it sounds boring. What am I actually going to do? Yeah. And I love it in, uh, in Revelation 21, later on, 20, actually 22, it says, uh, his servants will serve him mm. in, in verse 3. It's mm. like, we're going to get to spend eternity not just doing nothing, but to, to serve Jesus. Mm. And I don't know fully what that means, but a lot of it is, is worship-based. Yeah. That's mm. exciting. I mean, standing in the presence of the one who died for you, getting to worship him and pour out worship and casting the crowns mm. before him and living in that way that sounds really exciting that's actually really similar to leah sent in in two questions both of them about heaven and the other one was sort of this question of like will we still have hobbies right mm -hmm. will, will we still if you love to garden will you still be able to garden and to that dan that kind of sounds like the answer is yes if god gives us like the the hobbies and the passions and the things that we like like it does seem mm -hmm. like that's um if we're spending our time serving him then we're able to serve him through those things that we enjoy, right? That we've seen sort of the reflections of his glory on earth through. Certainly it's possible. I don't know. Sure. 
That'd be pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> and an extension of who we are here. I often wonder, like, will we... I think we will remember things that happened on earth. Because it says Jesus wipes away every tear. Well, what's mm. the reason for wiping away every tear? Well, if we think of past sin or mm. hurt or trouble or just just the darkness that of this world, mm. he wipes away every tear. Will we... Like, well, I recognize Bill <laughs> walking along. I realize I'm bringing up more questions. Sounds than like he no, will. I think so. It probably like will. Yeah. Get to talk for a thousand years about the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Bill's got an Indian shirt on for, or Indian jacket on, I should say. As always. Yes. Any other thoughts before we move on to our next thing? Glad I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> we have a... There's a good book by Randy Alcorn. What? I think about yeah. it called... Yeah. Uh, heaven? I think it's just called it's Heaven. It's called Heaven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like 400 pages. Yeah, it's he, long. He's, he's poured his whole like hobby life into just studying Heaven. I think he said at the beginning of the book he read 150 books on the subject of Heaven. Huh. So it became the book on mm -hmm. Heaven. Yeah. And he really presents convincing arguments for why heaven is so awesome. But one of the early arguments is heaven is really going to be a lot like earth, mm. only without the flaws. Mm. So that's something I can get my head around a lot sure. easier than streets of gold and walls that are made of 12 precious and semi-precious stones. Like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then when you see the on the internet, I remember recently looking at the greatest sights in the world, natural beauty. And if you've ever looked at those, they're from all over the world. That's the other thing that's so cool about it. It's not like, well, I guess I just need to go visit Indonesia. That's where all the cool stuff is. Mm -hmm. No, it's everywhere, everywhere. But the beauty is so breathtaking that I think... Oh, so this is what heaven's going to be like. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to include all these sites now that we literally take vacations to go see. We have a second piece of listener mail, and Ooh. we've already rung the listener mail bell. So, Bill, would you please play the listener mail trumpet? Perfect. Whoa. This email comes to us from Bruce. Bruce writes, would you rather listen to a 10-part sermon series of hellfire and brimstone sermons given by a speaker that yells and screams and tries to frighten people into the kingdom, or a 10-part sermon series on the most obscure, dry, and boring theological topic ever given by a speaker in a dull monotone? Dan. I'll go with the monotone. Maybe right. I'll learn something. <laughs> Scott. I want to hear them both. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'll go with the Hellfire and Brimstone. Mm -hmm. You want to compare notes after? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just because, like, I, you know, it'd probably be weird and uncomfortable, but, I mean, yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think by the eighth time, by the eighth of the ten-part series. I'd be yelling along with him. <laughs> <laughs> I know the words by this point. Uh, Bill. Oh, I'm I'm taking the shouting and the hellfire. Okay, I'll tell you why. Why? I I would walk by the radio and Tony Evans would be yelling. I just think, oh golly. Then I went to a Promise Keepers in Kansas City and Tony Evans was a speaker. It was so great that I thought, geez, if I wasn't saved, I'd be running down there right now to get saved. Huh. This is just the most compelling evangelistic sermon I've ever huh. heard in my life. Huh. So now I love Tony Evans. You know, I walk by the radio, he's yelling. It's like, oh, it's Tony Evans. What's he got to say? <laughs> because it's, it's not just yelling for the sake of yelling. It's, it's educated yelling. He's mm. got content. Mm. He's got passion. So if it's Tony Evans yelling hellfire and brimstone, man, I'm, I'm all over it. I, I want to hear it. Okay. Well, the second part of Bruce's question is, which would you rather be assigned to preach? Oh, the hellfire. Because you can come up with theological topics that are just completely irrelevant to life. Huh. Like what? Well, I remember being at Ashland Seminary once, and I only stayed one time for this class. I said, this is not for me. It was on Christology. I thought, great, it's about Jesus Christ. He says, now, we're not going to use the Bible at all. What we're interested in this class is what church historians have said 
through the years about the person of Christ. Hmm. So you get all these wild debates, you know, who is Jesus Christ based on really man's thoughts more than looking at the scriptures. And people have preached sermons like that too. And mm-hmm. I really don't have the time for it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Scott? So we're being tasked with preaching in this style, yes. not just like preaching on the content. That's right. Do we have to scream? You will You will definitely scream, Dan. <laughs> they both sound equally bad. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to preach in either of those ways. Um, I'll stick with the Hellfire one, I guess. Hmm. I'll go for the Hellfire and Brimstone. Don't make it a clean sweep. Even though I don't really want to scream. Trifecta. Maybe just, three for three. Look that forward does not next happen. week to uh, three separate Hellfire and Brimstone <laughs> sermons. <laughs> I know that that's not the style of any of us who are here. <laughs> sure. Not really. <laughs> Bill's closer than you two, I think. Bill, <laughs> At least I speak about hell. Well, that's true. Because that's what John Dawson always says. Oh, yeah, man, you just preach hellfire and brimstone. I'm thinking, oh, it's because I brought up hell in the message. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who knows if this will make it in, but let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by leaders, the good and the bad. Most people want to be a good leader in something. Maybe it's their jobs, their school, their peers, or at least in leading themselves well. And inevitably, we are all either good leaders or bad leaders. Pastor David invites you to join our journey through First and Second Kings in the Old Testament and the stories of influential kings and queens of the past. Leaders, the good and the bad, new sermon series starting last weekend, April 17th. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash leaders to learn more. For topic of the week this week, I am entirely unprepared. I couldn't decide on a topic for today, so we're going to try a new segment this week. What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> if you have an answer to the question, what do you guys want to talk about? I'm all I yours. do. Please. All right. I, I started reading volume two of Decline <laughs> and Fall of the Roman Empire. Okay. What's happening? And, well, this morning it came up about the Samaritans. Oh. But. All right, what about them? Well, right around 430 AD, the Samaritans were almost expunged from the earth. They killed 20,000 of them. They sent 20,000 into slavery to India and Persia. And then they go on to say that the rest were left behind but that 100,000 people lost their lives in the Samaritan War. Wow. wow. Man. That's a lot of people. So that caused me to pull out my phone and ask the question, are there any Samaritans today? Huh. And the answer came back, in 1919, we were down to 141 Samaritans in the world. Hmm. But now the population's grown to 800. Whoa. Think, huh. 800 people? 800 people. Oh, okay. So it's a tiny, tiny little group. Sure. Wow. What that, defi- I just thought Do that was interesting. Who they are? What defines a Samaritan? Well, they're from Samaria. They're, they're in that in-between spot between Judea. I guess you'd have to say they're part of the northern tribes, but mm-hmm. they're on Mount Gerizim, and they're considered... I guess you'd say mixed race Jews because they, what happened was when Assyria took over the Northern Kingdoms, they ceded that uh, Northern Kingdom with a lot of people from other places. Okay. And then they would intermarry with those that were left behind in the Northern Kingdom. And, and they would, that was a common practice to try to like dilute the race yeah. of people and kind of weaken them. It, it also weakens the hostility towards the conqueror. Mm-hmm. Instead True. of holding a grudge, you got you just got a whole different agenda going on because, oh, now I married a, a Moabite. Sure. All right. We've got new problems. <laughs> so <laughs> More Moabites. More but I just problems. thought that was interesting. I didn't know if there was any such thing as a Samaritan anymore. Yeah. It's, I'm in a confusing section of this book. It's, sure. It's just it's just hard for me to follow it all, but thank goodness for the phone because you can just keep Googling questions and yeah. see if you can figure it out. Sometimes I think they're talking about a pope. No, no, we're talking about the emperor. Oh, okay. Huh. Because in, in this 
era that emperors have a lot to do with theological questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. they, they get involved in the matter of um, the incarnation of Christ. What is the nature of Christ? Is it a dual nature? Is he man and God? Is he monophysite? Just, just God alone? And you think, why are the emperors weighing in on this? You know, mm. they're not theologians. It's because it had everything to do with power mm -hmm. and mm. who's ruling who and lives are being lost. I, I mean, we're not talking about one here and there. We're talking thousands and thousands of people, tens of thousands, probably even hundreds of thousands are getting killed in battles, but they use the theological terminology in order to name the battles or mm -hmm. name the wars. And I think, huh? Hmm. Okay. The church had a real struggle for a long time with the government and kings and emperors putting bishops in place. Yes. Like, you're my guy in this place and you're going to send me money. Okay. You're going to be more loyal to me, the civil ruler, than to the church. And like, sure. like that push-pull yes. for a really long time. Huh. Good explanation. Because, yeah. man, that clarifies things for me. It, it just... So they wanted the it's theological control so they could keep control of the kings and emperors of like of the, the priests and the bishops mm -hmm. right. versus their like loyalty to the church and to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of those bishops made it off pretty well, like with monetarily well, wise, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, and, yeah. And, and they were very um sinful. Mm -hmm. Like this one and there's more than one pope running around too. You sort of have the Eastern, the Byzantine yeah. Pope, and then you've got one out of Rome, but then it looks like there's also one out of Africa, and you think, hmm, that hasn't really consolidated yet into mm -hmm. one Pope. And whatever the Pope says isn't necessarily what they buy into. There's no such thing as papal infallibility yet. It's, well, we'll think about that, but we actually disagree with you. It's, it's just so different than our world. It's, sure. That's why I think I'm finding it so confusing to read about even later, there were popes running around with children and all this stuff. Like, what? You're not supposed to be having kids. Right. <laughs> or being married. Yeah, and that's what happened to the pope I read about yesterday. He, he, he was really a sinful, sinful man. He had a concubine. He had kids. He, he had a lot of sin in his life beyond sexual sins. And the emperor and all the force that came against this pope, they executed him. Hmm. Whoa. Hmm. That was the goal of the Pope's for a really long time. He gained as much civil, like civic, like, like sure. civic government power as you possibly can. Right. Try to reign like a theocracy kind of. And they succeeded to a large mm -hmm. degree. I mean, the, the, nobody had the kind of money that the church had. Whoa. <clears throat> they, owned, they owned almost, it just seemed like they owned all the land. I know mm -hmm. they didn't own every last bit of it, but they just owned so much yeah. land. And you can't, eat without land. You got to farm it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's wild. You can see why some people get real frustrated with, when they look at the history of the church as a whole and see like a lot of the horrible things that have com been committed in God's name. You can think of like the crusades, for example, or like what we're talking about mm -hmm. of land ownership and probably forcing people off their land or buying people, people's loyalty off for very little money. People look at that and think, Man, how do they have a hard time reconciling like a good God with the things that have been done in his name. Hmm. And, and how to reconcile the truthfulness of mm -hmm. Christianity, our doctrines, mm -hmm. when you see that some of these councils were called together as power grabs. Mm -hmm. But what I'm heartened by is, yes, they were called together with a power grab and there's all these factions coming in, the church of the East, church of the West, church from Africa, and they're fighting with each other. And yet, amazingly, they keep landing on the side of truth. You mm. read the Bible and they land on Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% mm. God. E even though there were groups that were dead against that, probably using it as a facade for what their real agenda was. But it said to me, look, the Lord, God Almighty, is protecting the truthfulness mm. of, of his kingdom despite all these other factions. Mm. 
It, it is it is amazing. I can see why people bring it up, well, you know, the Bible, how do we know the right books and all that? That's a perfectly good question. But the perfectly good answer is God Almighty protected that, and he, mm -hmm. he caused the righteous people to stand up and never give up. That's the other thing that's really impressive to me. The righteous do not quit. They, they will die before they, they recant or, or, or just go along with something false. Mm -hmm. So there's this section of history called the Arian Controversy. Mm -hmm. And it, it lasted for a long time, I mean, you know, hundreds of years, it looks like. But a man such as Athanasius, he put up with a lot of physical difficulties his entire life in order to finally win the day for uh, the, the triune God. It, he was it, one of the first to put together a list of books yes. in the Bible, too. Yeah. Hmm. So there's these people like Athanasius that were just pure as driven snow and never mm. gave up. I mean, they were they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're, they're just, how is it this guy never gave up? Mm. Uh, it, but, but it's not just Athanasius. It's a whole list. It was longer than my arm. And you think, this is really awe-inspiring, really awe-inspiring. This, this is what I'm basing my life on. It's not who's got the best military technology because that just mm. comes and goes it's the truth that lives forever it, it it's yeah. just so it's neat that my faith is being strengthened by reading the decline and fall of the roman mm. empire yeah <laughs> man it's completely yeah i mean when you're talking about you know god's true sort of surviving the will of all of these people who are just acting self-interestedly right reminds me of cyrus coming mm. in and liberating the jews you know, God using him to yeah. carry out his prophecies, even though this, I mean, this man is purely acting out of self-interest. Yes. But like is able to, you know, say by name, like, hey, this guy is going to come, Cyrus, and he's going to come and liberate <clears throat> us out of, out of exile. And, and he's not doing it for, you know, the glory of God. He's doing it because he's got his own plans and, but God's still able to use that. And, and in the end, like he's glorified by it. Kind of reminds me of you know, these, this or sort of faux theocracy of people fighting over each other, trying to, to grab as much societal power, as much governmental power as they can. And God mm -hmm. still being able to use those people, being able to act through them and around them. Because mm -hmm. it would be very easy for what we have today to have been corrupted by that. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think that's what everybody's expectation is. Right. But when you have a Bible in one hand and the decline and fall of the Roman Empire in the other, it becomes real obvious that, wow, the doctrines of the Bible have been articulated even in councils that came together for wrong reasons. It, mm -hmm. it is, it's really a, a show of how mighty our God is, that he moves these kings around just like we can move little chess pieces around. He, mm -hmm. He's really running the world even though these emperors think they're running it, or sure. mm -hmm. the Pope thinks he's running it. it, it it's, it's laughable how weak they are in comparison to what God's doing. And we've mm. discussed this before, but how is God able to move these kings around like... I guess it's because I mean it's because he's God and all things are possible through him. But like, how is he able to put someone in a in a position who doesn't believe in him? Right? How is he able to to work through someone who doesn't you know necessarily believe in him? Right? How is how is he able to? Is there like a general? It's kind of get into like the concept of general revelation. Like, is there just a a, a, a intrinsic to being human does god have some hook in you that he can kind of move you around a little bit by rather than you know as we would say like having the holy spirit tell you okay like now mm -hmm. is the time for me to move into this different career path to to get involved with this different ministry to mm -hmm. you know just make life changes as he directs but for somebody who doesn't believe in him as bill said you know he's still sovereign and he's still in charge like how does that pharaoh I think he's our best example. Mm, yeah. Pharaoh's hard hearted against God. That is not a problem for God. 
<laughs> All the just, better. I mean, it's it's just absolutely hilarious how mm-hmm. much greater God is than Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. It, it is just unbelievable how mm-hmm. how God's nature shows up in that Pharaoh story as being so much more superior. Um, but but it's not just Pharaoh, it's all these emperors. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it is really amazing. It's just amazing. It makes you just really bow your knee to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see. I'm going to kind of walk you through something. So you mentioned, you know, the calling of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do whatever. So picture, you know, an international worker. We know many from our church who have felt the calling of in their lives by the Holy Spirit to go into a different part of the world and share the gospel with the people there. By direct result of the Holy Spirit's calling, that calling in their life, some people will be saved. Those people and that calling were connected in God's plan. Hmm. By extension, it makes sense that all of us coming to know God are are connected in his plan. So I wasn't evangelized by a missionary. I was born into a Christian family. That was part of God's plan for me and how I came to be a Christian. And so from there, we can say, well, if I was born into a Christian family, and that's how God kind of worked it out for me to come into this world, then he's working it out for all of us to come into the world in for specific purposes and in specific ways and places, mm-hmm. you know, some vessels for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. So when you think of the kind of person that's going to be born into, you know, like Cyrus's leadership, like God knew who he needed, the kind of person he needed, mm-hmm. who would have the kind of draws and, and, and power hunger to do the things that he wanted to do. And we see this kind of big scale planning from God in the Bible, you know, with the establishment, we talked about this like a year ago or something, with the establishment of, of Passover and then just a few weeks later, Pentecost, and the way that God ordained that hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus Christ's death, which then led to all of the people coming into Jerusalem from around the world for Pentecost, and they went back out having been saved, and then the faith spread. So God is a big-scale planner, right? Yeah. and he has very direct well influence and control over every single person. And so he knows who he needs, where he needs them, when he needs them, and there they are to do his purposes. Amen. Yeah. I, mean, I think of Philip in the... He's, he's in a red-hot revival in Samaria and God tells him to leave and go to pretty much an intersection out in the desert. He's all alone. And then this Mm. Ethiopian eunuch who's a treasurer of um, Candace comes by reading the book of Isaiah. How bizarre (laughs) is this? (laughs) He's reading reading and wondering, what is this about? Is he speaking about himself or is this, is he speaking about someone to come? And, and he leads this Ethiopian eunuch to Christ, baptizes him right there where they find some water in the desert. And it's believed in church history that that Ethiopian eunuch is why sub-Saharan Africa is saved. You know, mm-hmm. that he, he was the first probably prominent person to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior, and he spread the word. Think, wow. I mean, but that's the plan of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taking one, one man and sticking him in a desert. <laughs> <laughs> because this would be like leaving the Billy Graham convention, you know, at some stadium with 80,000 people <laughs> coming to Christ, and, and now you're going to be... Go to a Seven Eleven, someplace in, <laughs> you know, Nevada, where mm-hmm. where there's really hardly a road. You think, wow, who who could come up with this stuff? Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say, Dale? I was thinking of someone not in the Bible, but thinking of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our president during World War II, mm-hmm. and how he was a very unlikely person to lead, having some severe physical disabilities, mm. with having polio, but was that personality that the country really needed to get us through? both the depression and through the horrible war. Yeah. But who would have thought that, that God, God really does bless nations with good leaders, mm-hmm. whether they realize that they're instruments of God or not. I don't think mm-hmm. FDR probably, I don't think he did. Sure. But who knows, maybe. But God is definitely at work for the, using the leaders for the good of the nation. Mm-hmm. I think that's 
what Romans talks to us about, like honoring the governmental leaders who are put in place for our good. Hmm. Like he does. Yeah. He is like Scott said, like that. He's a, definitely a big picture planner. Yeah. Putting the right people in place. Yeah. The right time. Doesn't always mean a fantastic outcome because there's human decisions involved in mm-hmm. sin. Yeah. That's, well, I'm thinking of evil leaders too, like yeah. communist leaders, Stalin, Lenin. Mao, say, Chairman Mao from China. Where, right. where was God? Why didn't he stop these guys? Yeah. I trust God. Yeah. God knows what he's doing. Yeah. I don't have a quick answer as to where was God. Well, I know where he was. He was on the throne. But, you know, yeah. why did he do it that way? I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, what will happen is enough time will go by and it will start making sense even to human beings. Mm-hmm. By enough time, it might be 200, 300 years. It'll be, oh, whoa, hmm. who would ever dream this up? Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and and that, not that this is necessarily like a comfort, but for God to have, to have stopped those people, you know, it would probably require pretty direct intervention at certain points to prevent certain sinful decisions. And then it's like, well, where's the line? which sinful decisions do you want God to stop? Mm. Because you're making them all the time. Mm. Do you want him to come in and dictate like, nope, can't do that. Nope, mm-hmm. can't do that. Nope, don't think that. Mm-hmm. And like, then that's our whole world. And that's our whole, like, that's not the world we want to live in. Mm-hmm. It's not the world he wants us to live in. Mm-hmm. That's a like, good, this is all excellent. happening because of what yeah. we did. Oh, yeah. good and stuff. his best intervention is the cross. Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True, it makes me think of, I think it's Romans 3 where he talks about how, or Paul talks about how like, through Jesus, we see God's justice because for centuries and millennia before Jesus, God was abstaining from punishing sin. Mm. You know, people were allowed to live their sinful lives and he didn't just like smite them at the moment of sin, which he could have. And that's like the just thing to do, Mm. but he abstained until Jesus. And then his justice is displayed in Jesus. Mm. Um, That's like what he was waiting for um, to like finally pour out all of his, all of his justice on sin. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't make it past, like, I don't know, whatever whatever age you can, like, cognitively start sinning. It's like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Probably before the age of one. Wow. You, I mean, you can just see bad attitudes even in little babies. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Disobedience. Yeah, it starts young. And it's not something that's learned necessarily. Oh, it's, it's, it's just in age. us. Yeah. It's in us. Yeah. It's, an eight. it's not like parents are like, now disobey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I never no. met a parent to say that. <laughs> now, don't you do what I tell you to do, <laughs> or you'll be in big trouble. <laughs> you'll be in no trouble at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're already over time, so Scott and Dan, you're off the hook for what you want to talk about. Uh, listeners, <laughs> if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather trivia quizzes and whatever time you think it is right now to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org uh, for our closing segment this week. You better believe that it's time for Where in the Bible is yes. Carmen Sandiego. Uh, we've got three passages of scripture and you fine gentlemen will tell us the book, chapter, and verse references. Let's get started. Here are your... The official scorecards. The official scorecards. We can't get new index cards because every dollar donated to Bloomingdale Church goes to the jet ski fund. <laughs> that is not true. That is uh, <laughs> not true. If that true. were true, I feel like after the Passion Project, we would have a couple jet skis. Every every dollar donated to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org goes to the jet ski fund. <laughs> that much I can promise you. <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Uh Again, we got some longer verses, which should give you time to uh, to figure it out or or to pray, whichever one you don't think patronize me. Is, <laughs> don't or in Scott's that case, verses just give are you give more me. time to steep in your dread. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, "That should be a hint." Uh, now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of a cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant that I made with them. It's Old Testament. 
What? <laughs> it's not a psalm. Uh, know, and that's the extent of my gifts. Extent of my gifts for you, Scott. Will I mean, Bill make it a that's not true. fourth time a in a row? Ideas, but I don't know which one is right. I mean, it's, it is uh, Bill Calvin's game to lose, as they say. <laughs> it, it is. We'll see. Let's start with Dan. Dan? The number is 33, 12 to 19. Oof. Hold on. I lost where it is. Okay. Doesn't and bode well Scott? For me. I said Joshua 1, 20 to 24. Okay. And Bill? I said Deuteronomy 34, 10 to 12. It is Deuteronomy oh. 31. 14 to 16. The so that's a point for Bill and a point for Dan. No oh. points for Scott. That's a challenging Sad. one. Man, uh, yeah, because I thought it was at the end of Numbers. But yeah, it makes sense to be at the end of Deuteronomy. Yeah, the end of Deuteronomy. I couldn't remember if Moses died before the end of the Torah because Moses wrote the Torah. <laughs> so, <you'd> think, <laughs> so he didn't write all of it. <laughs> He's like, God, could we not go up the mountain yet? I just need to finish this. <laughs> What's going to happen in about 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and then I looked over the promised land and died. All right, I'm good to go. <laughs> But do it quick before something else happens and I have to write it down again. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. I'm going to start over. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, him who is true, as it were, uh, by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's a hard one. This I week. feel like I ref- I read this recently. I think so, but I don't remember where. <laughs> yes, the last the last line is is the most recognizable one for me, personally. Um, okay, I'm just gonna like rewind a few days in my Bible reading, sure, and mm-hmm. see if I land on it. <laughs> Scotty, you're up. Fine. Uh, Hebrews three ten to fifteen. Okay. Um, What's your name? Dan? Dan usually. First uh, John 2, 11 to 18. Okay. And Bill? First John 5, 17 to 21. It's First John 5, 18 to 21. Holy cow. Oh, man. I guess I did not read this. I don't call him Muffin Calvin for nothing. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Top of the muffin to you, Bill. Unbelievable. And the rest of the muffin to you. <laughs> Finally. So it is four to zero to three. So it is still anyone but Scott's game. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him oh, and a bronze gosh. helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. <laughs> well, <laughs> so makes he, sense. So he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. I just love, sometimes those things happen in the Bible. I'm just, he was not used to them. And then he immediately says, I am not used to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Why? Why was he not used to them? All right. Bill, what do you got? First Samuel 11, 18 to 21. All right. Uh, Scott? First Samuel fifteen nine to thirteen and Dan. First Samuel eighteen ten to fourteen. It is First Samuel seventeen oh. thirty eight to forty. Very close, but it will go to Bill Calvin. Good job, Bill. I don't think you've ever won before, Bill. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, in in lieu of jelly beans today, we have peach rings. Congratulations, Bill. Wow, peach rings. For the man who does not eat junk food. For the man who doesn't eat junk food. <laughs> well, next week we'll have a bowl of broccoli for I you. I don't go to junk food restaurants, but I did eat all those raisinets already. Nice. All right. Good for you, Bill. They were great. <laughs> that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation.
But citizens, like to become a citizen, it's probably a couple grand. Really? Well, yeah. Like for what? What are you paying for? That for point? the certificate that says I'm a U.S. citizen. You're paying for Get to stay. the government to yeah. let you keep being a whatever. And they take you want and to do. it takes them a long time. It's like to registering your car it. in Illinois. It's like, what am I giving this money for? So that we can let you keep driving. But <laughs> so they can charge you $150 a year yeah, <laughs> to keep your car here. I got to start a country. It seems like where the money is. <laughs> or a cult group. Ooh, Those are very lucrative. I would. <laughs> How about a country that's also a cult group? A cult country. <laughs> that now we're talking. I think well, that's like Nazi Germany. With a jet ski. It's a cult country. <laughs> well, they were a country first. We need to start one that from the ground up that is a cult. Starts out as a cult. Yeah. There is a random oil rig Ooh. in the North Sea that declared themselves to be their own yes. country. Yes, Who they were did. they before? Oh. So they have a flag. They got, I don't know if anyone lives there. Yes. There's a, Renee has a shirt from that. Oh, really? He, he makes his money. Country? He makes his money yes. by selling citizenship to his country, and he sells merch for the country that's just like an oil derrick wow. that a man lives on and declared himself his own sovereign nation. <laughs> it was like 30 years ago. Yeah, it's it still crazy. around. Yeah, What's yeah, amazing yeah. is he just hasn't gotten blown out of the water by somebody like Russia. Right. You know, we want that oil. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's decommissioned. Maybe he's got a very powerful armada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we didn't mention was all the missiles that he's got on us. <laughs> he's a small nation, but he's mighty. <laughs> um, it's your birthday on Friday, right, Dan? It is. Well, thirty-six. Hmm. Yep, thirty-six. Congratulations! Thank you. You're ten years older than me. Man. Yep. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry 32, young, 32 years younger than me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. Yep. <laughs> well, the listeners could sing along. I declare this episode of the podcast adjourned. Let's go to a burger joint. I'm so in. Oh, yes. <laughs>